Good afternoon. Hope you've all had a lovely lunch. I hope it hasn't made you too sleepy, um, that you're going to be able to enjoy listening to what Becky has to share with us. And I know um, from, from the way the, the morning sessions have gone, um, and, and they've been absolutely fantastic, that we are really looking forward to hearing what Becky has to share with us um, this, this afternoon. So we'll be here now for um, the next hour or so, quarter past two, quarter past three, we finish up, and then we'll be back this evening for seven o'clock um, for a time of worship and then to listen to Paul um, share, share once again. Um, we've heard Becky share part of her story um, this morning and it has really touched, I'm sure it's touched all of us, I know it certainly touched me, um, it certainly touched all of us. Um, just the journey she's been on and, and the healing that needs to come from within. And we, we all have stories that look different, uh, but they're all, we all carry a, a hurt and a brokenness in us um, that comes from, from living in a world that is, that is imperfect. Um, and, and as Paul said, we, we, we look to the kingdom to come when all these imperfections and brokenness um, will be gone. Uh, but that doesn't mean we cannot experience the healing and wholeness that will come with the kingdom here and now um, in this world, Jesus said the kingdom is at hand um, and certainly we can experience that. So we are really looking forward, Becky, to hearing what you have to share um, this afternoon with us. Can I pray with you before, before you share? Can I put my hand here? Yeah, of course. Loving God, we thank you for Becky, for the story that she has to share, which is your story um, of how you have worked in and through her. As she shares that with us, Lord, we pray the anointing of your spirit on her words. May they be spoken in the power and the strength of your spirit, and may we hear them in that same transforming power. And so, Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Strengthen us and heal us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, lovely to see you um, here after lunch. And our uh, seminars, Healed by the Spirit, Inner Healing. So I knew that coming, um, but I've been really praying. I've, I do a lot of teaching. I've done a lot of, well, a lot of teaching. I've done a lot of thinking and a lot of writing and quite a bit of speaking on um, the inner life and what God does. So when I knew that I'd been asked to speak on Healed by the Spirit, uh, Inner Healing, I, I thought, well, that's, what angle do I take? Do I take the forgiveness and uh, guilt angle? Do I take the um, disappointment angle? Which, which angle should I take? And as I was praying about it, I really felt um, just to speak about God's love because there's nothing that heals us. There's nothing we need more than to really receive God's love. And I feel I've had that confirmed for me over several things um, in the time here. Um, because you know that we know that God loves the world. We know that um, in John chapter three, that's, uh, we have that after when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus is asking about um, what Jesus and Jesus is saying, but you're Israel's teacher. How do you not understand things of the spirit? Um, and then John goes on to tell us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Um, and we have the words from the Apostle Paul in Corinthians 13, that famous love chapter, but now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And Paul tells us nothing can separate us from the love of God in his letter to the Romans. So God's love is such a big thing, and it's what our faith is based on. So let me just um, pray before we start 
looking on at how we receive it. So Lord, we thank you that you are love. Lord, in our minds, that's so much smaller than what it really is. So I just pray in this time we have together that you'd help expand our understanding um, in our heads and our hearts of what it means to receive your love, to know what it means that you are love, um, and to correct our warped understandings of that and set us um, on the right path, the right understanding, right revelation with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, reading those three um, bits from those three verses, and there's so much else, God's love, the truth of God's love, it is prominent in the scriptures. Um, And if you've been in the church for any time at all, you will be familiar with those verses that I referred to, um, because the love of God is the most basic component and the most important building block of our faith. So we know lots of verses about it. Um, And God's love is the key to our healing. Anything that's wrong in us, it's really his love, which encompasses so much that we need. It's meant to be the foundation of our lives. Um, We're meant to build our lives on God's love. And yet, even though we can quote the verses from memory, um, many of us still struggle to really believe and to live in the truth of that love. And that was my story for much of my life, as I was telling you earlier. Even though I knew God from such a young age, as I said, I asked Jesus to live in my heart when I was four, five, six, um, and I was taught that God loved me. And even though I memorized early on John 3:16, so I knew God loved the world, it was really only head knowledge for me, not something that was a felt experience. And what I now know from my own experience, and I've seen in the lives of so many others, is that we can talk, we can sing, we can write, we can even teach about God's love. We can pick up our cross and work really hard because of God's love. We can give our lives serving him and others night and day as a result of God's love without ever really encountering God's love for ourselves. And this was brought home to me one night about 15 years ago when I had a dream. And in this dream, I was lying um, in a hospital gurney, uh, in a hospital, and I was on a a gurney, and I was, there were different things going on in the hospital. Um, And then I heard a voice say to me as I was here, I heard a voice say, the problem with you is, you have on the breastplate of righteousness, but you won't let the sword of the spirit in. And then in my dream, I looked down and I had on this beautiful, bright breastplate, shining, burnished breastplate. And then I saw this like sword coming towards me and it came here, hit there and bounced off. And then I woke up. And I had those words ringing in my head. The problem with you is you have on the breastplate of righteousness, but you won't let the sword of the spirit in. And uh, I woke up and I thought, well, Okay, that was very vivid and very real. I know that the Lord speaks to me sometimes in dreams, usually because I'm not listening when I'm awake. So he speaks to me in dreams to get my attention. Um, And Lord, what does that mean? I mean, I recognized the truth of it. um, And I was pleased to see I had on a beautiful, shiny breastplate. 
um, of righteousness, but I started by praying about why and how I wasn't allowing the sword of the Spirit in. What did that mean? What was the Lord trying to tell me? And as a result of those prayers and trying to allow God's Spirit to touch me on more than a superficial level, I started to hear God, what God was really saying to me. And what he kept saying to me again and again was receive my love. Receive my love. And I'd say to him, well, yes, Lord, of course. That's what I want to do. In fact, it's what I thought I was doing. But he just kept saying to me, receive my love, Becky. Receive my love. And I would even see, I saw a picture once of this really dry ground with some grass, but it was a bit scraggly and uh, dry. And I'd see rain coming, but it only got, there was just a tiny bit uh, coming in, uh, settling on the surface, I think, because underneath was so hard. So I wasn't, you know, so I just felt, okay, um, how do I do that, Lord? I really want to receive your love. How, what's stopping me? And I, as I look back now and over that time, I see there were really three hurdles I needed to overcome to be able to do what God was asking of me. And I think they're common hurdles for many of us. And if you can't relate to all three, you'll probably be able to identify with at least one. Um, and there are things that help us with our inner healing, with, the, with um, receiving the life that God wants for us. And my first hurdle was that I simply didn't know how to receive God's love. So I said, I grew up knowing God. I asked Jesus to live in my heart at an early age, so I did believe God was real and that he was close to me, and I'm really, really so grateful for that. So I told you I was in church twice every Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and every Wednesday, and in those times I was taught how to read the Bible, I was taught to memorize scripture, I even participated in Bible drills. You might know what those are, I don't know, but we, as children, we would stand in a line with our Bible under our arm, or here, and then someone would say, 1 Peter 2, 3, and then we'd all have to look quickly, 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 I got it, and whoever got it first got a gold star. And so, yeah, we would have these Bible drills to try and teach us to know our Bible, to know where the books were, to be able to find them, to, to look things up, things like that. And um, every Sunday, we'd be sent home with a scripture verse to memorize, and if you memorized it and you could tell your teacher the next Sunday, you got a gold star. I, was, I had a good memory, so I was really good at that. Um, so I really learned to know and to read my Bible. Um, I was taught to pray. I was taught to talk to God. Um, that is to come to God with prayer requests and to tell him I was sorry for when I'd sinned. I was taught to sing hymns about and to God, but in the church I was growing up in, it seemed at that time that they were only acceptable if they'd been written at least 100 years earlier. Um, I even went through once and looked through, written 1848, next one, written 18 something, I thought, oh wow, that was a big time. So God obviously likes songs from the 1800s. Um, I was taught that God wanted us to go around the world and to tell people about him and that the real heroes were those who gave up everything and suffered to do so. Now this combination of teaching had many, many strengths. 
I'm very grateful for it. But it also led me to believe that God was really only interested in me being a good girl. He wanted me to serve until it hurt. And he didn't approve of anything modern and up to date. And that probably included me. So although I was taught and memorized the verses about God's love, I actually ended up seeing God as a rather disapproving, scary authority figure who said he loved me, but only because he had to. So that meant that even if I knew how to receive his love, to be honest, it wasn't, I wasn't sure it was a love I wanted to receive. However, that was sometimes in my thoughts. However, on the other side, in the midst of all of that, I would read things in the Bible, like Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and how he accepted her and said she was in the right place. Or the kindness that God showed to Hagar when she ran away from Abraham and Sarah. And she said, oh, you are the God who sees me. Or the way God would redeem situations like David and Bathsheba, a relationship that started with adultery and, um, and sin on David's parts. Um, but after David was confronted and he repented, then it was their child who became um, the greatest king Israel ever knew and the wisest man that ever lived. Now, in the Bible, there are so many of these profound examples of the greatness of God's love and his patience with people. And that really affected me. And so when I'd be thinking, oh, but I'm not sure, God, you, what you're like, you seem a bit harsh and a bit demanding. Um, and also, I'd have the tragedy in my family. I'm not sure about that. But then I'd see this other side, and i think, oh, but that's, yeah, that's just so beautiful, the way you are with people. It's so lovely. And of course, I couldn't have asked Jesus to live in my heart at such a young age and not experience something of his love for me. It just got confused with the other messages I was receiving. What I needed to learn, um, alongside everything else, was how to be still in God's presence. Not just talk at him, but to leave space for him to talk back to me. I also needed to learn that times of worship could be prolonged, and that as we sing songs to God, there's this divine exchange that takes place. As we express our praise and worship, God comes close and he meets us with his love and his power. And I realized that actually he doesn't mind when the song was written or what style it's in. God doesn't care about that. He's only interested in what it expresses of our hearts and how we can use it to worship him. So I realized that he didn't mind, you know, if there was a guitar and drums, that really it was all about why I was singing, not the style. I also started to understand how God still speaks today, and I was taught how to listen and to prophesy for others. As I was telling you earlier, that first time when um, John offered to pray for me and he said, I've been talking to God about you and he's talked back and that was a completely new idea to me. Um, so I was taught how to listen and then also how to, um, to listen for myself and to listen for others and to let others do that for me. And through this, I began to believe that God did know me and he accepted me for who I was. And as I began to listen to him for others, well, I would probably be putting these little tests, it's probably like Paul's gonna do in, in there now, um, when he finishes, just this time of listening for each other and sharing words for each other. And I'd you know, be with a couple of strangers in these times when we'd have 
time practicing, um, listening to God for each other. And oh, I just feel this, when I'd wait on God for a word for someone, I just feel this overwhelming love for them that definitely wasn't me. <laughs> and if I'd met a stranger in the street, I wouldn't feel that way about them unless maybe I'd prayed for God's heart for them. But I realized um, that as I waited on the Lord for a word, I just would feel this love. And I think, that must be you, God. That must be how you feel about this person. And this started to correct my distorted image of God as a disapproving authority figure to a truer one of a heavenly father who loves us and wants the best for us. And then also, learning more about the role and the work of the Holy Spirit has really helped me to understand how God operates in the here and the now. Uh, and the, at the most basic level, if we won't allow time and space for the Holy Spirit to meet with us, we'll be in great danger of our wounds, never having the um, opportunity to really be healed, and we'll just keep doing things in our own strength. Um, I think of it sometimes, I describe it as when we don't take the time to do these things, it's like um, for people who feel quite, can feel quite threatened about that. I use an example of, well, imagine you're um, going on a long walk, and especially if you're leading the walk, and you've got a stone in your shoe, and it, it hurts, but you just keep walking anyway, because you don't want to take the time to take the stone out of your shoe. Maybe because you're leading and you don't want other people to know that you've got a stone in your shoe. Maybe because you don't think you're important enough and you just have to keep doing it anyway. Um, there could be you know, several different reasons, but when we're walking like that, if we keep doing it, it's just going to cause us more and more damage and throw more and more things out of line. So it's good to take the time. Take the time, sit down, even if you take a little break, take the stone out of your shoe, which is um, the same thing as saying, when we're hurting, when we're carrying things, when we know that something is not right inside, um, and we've, for whatever reason, we're carrying unforgiveness or sadness, a deep, deep sadness, um, or other things that we just find really hard to shift then instead of just keeping going, keeping going, keeping going, it's good to just take time and say, Lord, help me take this stone out of my shoe. Help me to um, find the healing I need. What is it you want to say? What is it I need um, to receive from you and maybe do? Maybe forgiveness or maybe um, asking for someone to pray for you. Uh, all those sorts of things. But it's about taking the time to let the Holy Spirit um, meet with you, show you what he wants for, your, for you and your situation. So through learning to hear God's voice and beginning to understand I needed to allow space and time for the Spirit to meet with me, I gradually began to overcome that hurdle of not knowing how to receive God's love. But that led me to my second hurdle. So I kind of got over one. Keep going, okay, now I've come to a second one. And that was a fear and belief that maybe I didn't actually deserve God's love. Okay, God's loving, um, but maybe actually I don't deserve it. So that was also a hurdle for me in my mind and heart. And in my experience, this can be a very common problem for people because we're taught by life that good things come our way as a result of hard work and dedication. In other words, usually in life, good things come because we've earned them. 
And even if we've had the best of parents, we'll still have picked up along the way through schooling, through friendships, through other relationships, that love is conditional, something we need to be good enough to receive. And the idea that God's love, God loves us simply because he loves us, simply because he loves us, is a hard one for us to comprehend because there's nothing else like it in our experience. And possibly this is also partly because somewhere inside, we're aware that we are flawed. We're aware that um, things have gone wrong. For me, I definitely carried that for a long time. I knew I'd messed up when I felt that that sort of meant that God, as I said, God must see me as I see me. So I didn't really deserve God's love. And the issue with that is that there is an element of truth there, but only half the truth. We are flawed, and we don't really deserve his love, but he gives it anyway. Jesus makes it possible by his sacrifice because his perfection covers up our flaws. Uh, as Galatians 4, 4, 7, <clears throat> there it says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you also an heir. So deep theology there, but Jesus' sacrifice of himself means as we accept it, we're adopted into God's family. We are his children, his heirs, and he is the perfect father who never withholds his love from us. And this is something we grow in. Um, my sister adopted my niece when she was 14. So my sister had three children, three boys. Then she just felt that she and her husband needed to adopt. And at first they were thinking of a baby, but then they just like were open to anything and they adopted a 14-year-old girl named Kathy who was desperate for a family. And she was so happy. So my sister has three boys, all of their names start with K. So Kevin, Kyle, and Corey, all spelled with a K. And their surname is Nepper, which starts with a K, but you can't hear it. Anyway, my point in telling you that is that Kathy came into this family, but she spelled her name with a C. But because she was so excited, she changed it to a K, so she was like one of the others. So now she has Kevin, Kathy, Kyle, and Corey, all, all with a K. So she was really happy to be part of a family. Um, immediately, even though I lived across the world, I was Aunt Becky, and Paul was Uncle Paul, and you know, Grandma and Grandpa, everything, she was just so happy to be part of a family um, and to you know, have a family name. However, it was very hard for her to settle into this new family in some ways. They would find food hidden under the bed, they would find she would lie about certain things um, because she was still behaving like her previous experience had taught her to behave. She didn't know sometimes when she'd be fed, so she would take food and hoard it. She didn't know if what she, her reasons for doing something would be accepted or not, so she just learned to lie. So it took quite a long time for her to work through and um, to feel now she's in her 30s, to feel safe, to feel you know, provided for. 
all of those things that life had taught her actually, you just have to defend yourself and look after yourself, to now know actually you're part of this family now, and your, your dad and your mom are gonna care for your needs. And that can be like us when we're adopted into God's family. We can um, carry behaviors from the past, behaviors where we think we still have to provide, we still have to look after ourselves, we still have to make things happen, um, and find it hard to really know that we will be provided and cared for um, by our Heavenly Father. So that's part of being adopted as the children of God and knowing we're in him, we're, we are part of his family. Um, and also, this was an issue for me, um, to understand when I read those words that about being a son, and I think, well, that counts me out because I can't be a son, I'm a daughter. So obviously, women aren't, you know, I'm just not as important. Um, but we are not excluded from this when we're, um, when we're daughters. It was just that when that example was written a long, long time ago, daughters weren't usually the ones who inherited. They could, but as a rule, they didn't. So that's why he uses that language. And I used to struggle with this as part of my distorted view of God. Now, growing up, I'd not been explicitly taught, but I'd, been, but I'd picked up through everyday attitude towards women in society and in church that maybe, I wasn't ever told this, but it's kind of what I picked up by watching, that God saw women as an afterthought. I know Eve was created second. Um, and he probably actually considered us second-class citizens. And this was a problem for me. Uh, and it manifested in different ways, probably because I wasn't secure in my love, of God's love for me. And I could have a real chip on my shoulder about it. Um, but through receiving good teaching of the Bible as a whole since then, and learning that from the beginning, male and female were created in God's image. So we all have equal standing as his children, whether sons or daughters. We are also part of the um, inheritance. So I've got over that. Um, and I can allow past cultures to be what they were without feeling rejected by God because of it. So that was an issue for me that, as well that I needed to um, come to terms with <clears throat> and to receive God's love and know that he didn't see me as second class or an afterthought. And also I think this um, can be a hurdle, uh, a part of this hurdle is that there will be times for all of us when we feel God has withdrawn his love because life is difficult and we can't understand how, if God loves us, he could be let what's he, how he can let this happen, kind of what I talked about earlier. Um, so when we're thinking we aren't good enough and then bad things happen, then we think, well, see, I didn't really deserve God's love and he's not really giving it. But when we're feeling that way, we have to check ourselves, take those thoughts captive and change our perspective. And this is what I've had to train myself to do. Instead of thinking, oh, this is, this is terrible. I can't believe God is letting, you can fill in the blank with your own thing. I can't believe God is letting this, this sickness, this complication, this inconvenience, this, um, this war, this um, other things that happen to me. Instead, learning to say that this, this sickness or this situation, um, this complication, this inconvenience, this relationship breakdown, it cannot get in the way of God's love reaching me, helping me and delivering me. Now for me, as I told you, um, that means saying something like, um, instead of saying like, oh God, I can't believe you've given me two children with special needs. Why don't you fix it? 
You know, don't you know how hard I work for you? Don't you know how much I've given up to serve you? Instead, I've learned to say, having two children with special needs is hard, but God's love is in it with me, and he will always help me. He will always strengthen and deliver me and them. And I've been really inspired in this by those amazing Christians who live under extreme persecution and yet they choose to remain where they are so they can be a witness to God's love. And we were, Paul and I had the privilege of going to South Korea in November. And we went with um, the organization Open Doors who are um, started by Brother Andrew who was the Bible smuggler um, and raising the profile of the persecuted church, standing with them, praying for them. So we'd been asked to go along on a trip to South Korea in order to meet North Korean defectors who'd um, got out. And it was just so humbling and inspiring. So many of them had got out. Um, they usually get out by going to China, and then often they meet pastors there who then help them. So it's very important to pray for the Chinese church as well. Um, but but the, what was really amazing was that some of them got out of North Korea, not as Christians because they'd been so brainwashed against it, but met Christians in China, became Christians, experienced the overwhelming love and power of God, and then chose to go back to North Korea to try and be a light there, a very hidden light, but to try and be a light there. Um, I was, you know, it's just very, very very humbling to think that their love for the Lord is that strong that they would choose to go back to those really terrible circumstances in order to be a light there for their people. Um, but the thing is that they don't expect life to be easy and comfortable. So they don't blame God um, when things are really difficult. But um, instead they thank him for being with them so they can carry on as his servants even in these life-threatening situations, um, and that's how I want to be. Um, but it requires me to accept that I can never earn or be good enough for God's love, but because of Jesus, I get it anyway. And nothing can stop his love from reaching me and impacting my life and circumstances for his and for my good. And we heard um, really inspiring stories of miraculous provision for the people um, in North Korea. Obviously, a lot of them, there aren't the stories. They won't uh, get their reward till heaven. But stories of um, the Lord intervening in, their, in the prisons, in their beatings, in just telling them. I heard one story from a man who had been arrested. He was actually South Korean, but he'd gone to China to help North Koreans, and he'd been arrested in China. And, um, and he just heard the Lord say to him, just talk to that guard, tell that guard um, about me. And so very, he thought, he honestly said, I thought I would be executed. I was expecting to be executed. So when God said that, I was like, okay, well, what have I got to lose now? Anyway, so he talked to this guard about, about knowing God, and this guard said, actually, my grandmother's a Christian, so don't worry, I'm gonna look after you. He wasn't himself but he said, I'm gonna look after you. Anyway, he got out and was back in South Korea doing amazing work trying to uh, help North, North Korean young people and South Korean to work side by side because they have great faith the country will be reunited. Um, 
only with God um, making it happen. But, um, but just hearing how God works, how he is faithful, and even in their situations, his love was still at work. His love was protecting, guiding them as they um, submitted to him. So it's very, very humbling, very humbling. Um, so that's one hurdle. I didn't know how to receive God's love because I had quite a distorted view of him. Then I thought, well, actually, okay, he's great, but I'm not. So do I deserve his love? But then realizing it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And um, he loves me, so I can, and Jesus died for me. So that uh, connection with the Father is restored, and I am adopted into his family. And then my third hurdle, once I got over those two, I then had to face how it felt to receive God's love. And at the beginning, it was really painful. It hurt the way it hurts. You know when you, your arm falls asleep and it's all numb, and then as the blood begins to return, it stings. Or when your hand's been so cold and frozen, it's gone numb. And then when it starts to warm up, it, start, it, it hurts. It's kind of like that. It's like when life is returning to a dead place, it, it can feel a bit painful. Um, but that's the life returning. Now for me, that meant letting God's love touch me where I'd been overwhelmed by guilt and shame um, because of the accident that happened that I told you about. Um, So I had so much guilt and shame there. I completely shut down emotionally and spiritually in in that area. So when I began to receive God's love, his life, it touched those places that I had tried to put to death in me, and it hurt. Um, and that's why I was saying earlier when we had a time of prayer that often uh, when the Lord, when the Spirit is moving and we give him permission, it can, he wants to, he's like, ah, oh, finally, let me work on this and help set you free. But we just experience it as someone poking your bruise and you're like, oh, that hurts, stop it. But actually saying, let me do my work. He's like the best surgeon or the best doctor who wants to do the work to, to bring you healing. Um, and this was a big hurdle for me because I didn't want to face my pain. I didn't want to um, have to go back and revisit what had happened. Um, so I had denied it for so, so many years. And as um, Paul said during the ministry time earlier, I often use this image of a bin because it's how I thought of myself when I very first started telling my story. I'd say, it's like when things happen to us, we have this bin in our soul or spirit. And when things happen we don't like, we just throw them away and um, we put the lid on. But if we don't let the spirit come and clean it out, it will begin to stink the way a bin would. So we have to keep inviting him in and letting him clear it out. And so if it's quite stinky and messy in there to start with, it can be a messy process. Um, but, But it's better to let him come and to do his work. In the end, I knew I had to acknowledge and I had to give it all to God. But for me, it was a long process. The story I told earlier about when John prayed for me and he said, you know, Becky, you could be forgiven. And that was like a light bulb moment for me. Um, That was, I describe it as I built a big defensive wall in front of myself to protect myself and so no one would know what I had done and what had happened. And him saying that was like a wrecking ball coming and hitting my wall. It didn't knock it down, but it, began to crack it so it could begin to be knocked down and 
uh, taken down bit by bit by bit over the years. Um, and sometimes people say, I meant to say this earlier, but I forgot. Sometimes people say to me, how, you know, if, I, if you told me that story, or I can't believe that's actually what he said to you. I can't believe he went straight to you can be forgiven. Um, but I, uh, I'm so grateful he did because that was my issue. Because I know now he was listening to God at the same time as he was listening to me. And that's what we need to do when we're praying for people and um, trying to be there for them. Uh, in the name of Jesus, is um, listening to the Lord or the Spirit inside at the same time as paying attention to the person in front of us. And I just, I know that he would have been inspired by the Spirit to say those words to me. You know, Becky, you can be forgiven, even if you did it on purpose. Uh, That's what I needed to hear. I didn't need a, oh, that's terrible, or gosh, that must have been hard. I needed to hear there was forgiveness for me, because that was my issue. I didn't think there could be. Um, even though in my head I believed it, in my heart I didn't think it was there for me. So um, it's really important when we're praying for people um, that we just keep saying, even if we think, gosh, that seems a bit out there, um, obviously you need to be sensitive, but God knows what they need to hear. He knows what's going on inside. Um, so for me, that was the beginning. It, like as I say, it put a crack into my wall And then it took many, many um, years of um, listening to God and um, learning to not beat myself up and to want to punish myself. I once had a picture as I was sort of really starting to receive healing and believe God's love for me, really began to receive his love. And I'd say, okay, God, I was in a ministry time at a meeting somewhere. I was like, yeah, I really want to receive your love. I really want to. And then I saw in my hand was um, this, this uh, stick was placed across my hand. And um, as I told you, I'm Baptist by background, but I'm in an Anglican church now. And I know that in the Anglican church, traditionally, the church wardens would have a stick. And they would use it in bygone days to keep the dogs out. And I don't know what else they used it for, but they had a stick, which was kind of their sign of authority. And they would, in the old days, process in with it. We still have ours, but it's like bolted to a wall somewhere at the back and never gets used. But I knew in my picture, this is what the Lord was placing across my hands. And on the top of it was a pearl. And so I was looking at this as I was trying to receive from in my imagination, you know, the Lord uses our imaginations to speak to us, to show us things. And so I was like, okay, Lord, what are you showing me? What does this mean? What is this church warden stick? It's a symbol of authority. Um, but I realized then that what next I saw um, God saying, you think that I want to punish you. You think that you're in trouble all the time. And that stick to you symbolizes being uh, beaten off like the dog or something else. You expect punishment. And then I saw the stick broken. He says, but that's not what I'm doing for you. That's not it. That's not what I'm about. Uh, You need to see it in a better way. And then I had this picture as well of a crown, that he was giving me a crown. And I said, oh, that's beautiful, Lord, thank you. It's a beautiful gold crown. And I was like, thank you. I said, but of course, I know it's lined with the crown of thorns because that's that's how it is for us as your followers, that we must suffer with you with the glory. And um, Jesus said, no, I want you to see this crown. Actually, it's not lined with thorns. Jesus said to me, because I punished myself, so this is what I needed to hear. 
doesn't mean it's what everybody needs. This is what I needed to hear, because I was always punishing myself, thinking I'd messed up again, and uh, I couldn't get it right. So um, uh, Jesus, to me, this, is, this was the distorted thing, my distorted thing, and he said, I need you to see that inside the crown I'm giving you, it's actually lined with purple velvet. I wore the thorn of crowns for you, Becky, so you could receive a crown. And so for me, that's what I needed to hear. I needed to stop thinking God was trying to, um, that I deserved punishment. And that's, you know, there'll be all sorts of reasons, but that was part of my distorted thinking. So because I thought I always deserved punishment and uh, God maybe didn't approve and all of that from my things, that just receiving his love was quite um, a challenge. But as he's shown me these things and I've let him speak to me in these ways, I've seen, ah, okay, I'm trying to receive, okay, Lord, I see, I can, I can have the crown that you give me that isn't gonna make me bleed and cause me pain, but I can wear it, keep my head up, and of course, it belongs to you. So when the time comes, I give you back my crown. Um, so all of that, so the Lord just being very kind and speaking to me and restoring me. And I'll just finish by telling you one other dream I had, and then we'll just leave a little bit of space. Um, I once had a dream that, um, as I said, God speaks to me in dreams sometimes because I'm often not listening at other times. Uh, I had this dream, and I don't, do you know the, this program, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with Will Smith? Yeah, so cool, tall, black guy. Um, big in the 90s. Um, and so I knew the beginning. I hadn't ever really watched it, but I knew the beginning uh, opening credits because he does this whole song. This is about, this is my story. I can't remember now, how my life was turned upside down. And so he'd started in, a, in the ghetto and he'd gotten into trouble, so his mom said, I'm gonna send you to Bel Air, which is where his rich aunt and uncle lived. And so he was gonna go from this old life he didn't want to go to start with, um, but then he had to go in this taxi to take him to his new life. And so in my dream, I was him. And I was going from the house to get in the taxi, I knew I was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I know, I look just like him. And then he, um, and then in my, vo in my head, as I started to get in the taxi, I heard this voice again say, you can't get in the taxi to go to your new life until you deal with the thing on your neck. And then I woke up. And, in my, and I woke up and I sat up and I was like, I thought I had this big black leech here on my neck. And that's what I was like trying to get it off, trying to get it off. But obviously I didn't really have it um, physically. And then I started thinking, what was that about? Because again, it was very vivid. And there's voices I was waking up. You can't get in the taxi to go to your new life till you deal with that thing on your neck. And so I was like, oh. And then I started thinking about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and what that symbolized, that his old life to his new life. And um, he'd gotten the taxi to go there. Okay, so maybe God's saying he's got something new for me, and I need, but I can't get there until I deal with this thing on my neck. So then I start thinking, well, what's this thing on my neck? And so I prayed about that for a few days. I didn't tell anybody else about this at the time. I was just really pondering it. I was like, Lord, what is that thing on my neck? And then one day as I was vacuuming in Joshua's room, I just knew it just dropped straight in, despair. I was like, oh, it's despair. So despair is like a leech and it's sucking the life out of me. And so I was like, okay, I don't want that. 
I don't want that, Lord. It's not of you. It's not right. And I want to get in the taxi and go to whatever it is you have for me. So how do I get this off of me? And I just knew I had to starve it. Okay, so I have to starve this leech of despair that's feeding off of me. How do I do that? So I prayed about that. And then I realized, well, I just have to start speaking truth. I start to have to to um, speaking the truth about God and about myself. And so I'd, when I'd start to feel a bit sorry for myself, or I'd think, here I am, locked in the house again, because we had to double lock the doors, because Joshua went through a period of escaping. We even had to tie the windows down, because one time he climbed out a window and ran, and he didn't like wearing clothes, so you'd have to go find him, and he's brought home in a police car with no clothes on. Um, so I was, could feel quite isolated at times, um, because I was double locked in with him, and you know, it was, so it, it was quite lonely, isolating at times. So I'd have to start just um, saying, I thank you, God, that um, instead of saying, oh, this is hard, I feel bad, sorry for myself, and all of that that you do, I say, you know what, it's okay, because like the elder brother, well, like the father told the elder, the elder brother didn't want to go into the party when the prodigal son came home, because he said, I've served you all this time and you never killed a fatted calf for me. Um, and then the father says, but everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And so I'd say, thank you, God, that everything you have is mine. Even if I'm here on my own and I can hear the drums playing for the worship next door, but I'm here at home because I can't go, it doesn't matter because everything you have is mine here now and just started rehearsing that and believing that and saying, as I was saying before, God, you are good, and I believe in your goodness, and I thank you for that, and I thank you for how you're working. And just really being positive in that way uh, with truth. Truth from God's word about himself and about me as his child. And um, what happened was, at first, my circumstances didn't change, but my attitude did. So I suddenly just felt better. I felt lighter. I felt um, less oppressed, let's say, sometimes. It's kind of like those pirates in the water that can get you when you go that way. Um, And then I had a friend come, and actually my friend for years had been offering to help with Joshua, and she'd say, I really think you and Paul should go away for a night, and I'll look after Joshua. And I'd say, oh, that's really kind, but couldn't possibly. Couldn't possibly, he's like our responsibility. Anyway, she'd been asking for years, but then about this time, we um, took her up on it um, because of different circumstances. And then I started, actually, it went really well. And she loved it. She could do it, and she's single and works part-time, so she could move into our house. Um, And she said, but honestly, God's called me to do, he's told me to help you. He's told me to come and be with your family to to support you. Um, And I really believe that all fell into place because that was kind of like my taxi, going to a new ministry, going to a new way of doing things, getting out from where I was sort of stuck into a new thing. But I first had to change my thinking and give up on and starve the despair that was sort of sucking the life out of me. And then my attitude changed and then my circumstances changed. 
And now, these years later, um, my circumstances are very changed, so it's still new days of um, having Joshua and Supported Living. But that was just one example in my story, um, and I just meet so many other people in our church and other places we go who also um, often find it hard to receive God's love, even though they know it in their heads, they know it is a truth, um, it's hard to receive. And I was once speaking in Sheffield, I think, and telling a bit of my story, um, and then at the end, this lady walked up to me very slowly. She was in her 80s. She said, can I speak to you? And because I'm very sensitive, I thought, oh, she didn't like it, or she's, <laughs> I was bracing myself. And she said, can, I, can we sit down and talk? And um, so we did, and she said, I've been a Christian for a very long time, and I was married and had a good marriage, but I have never felt loved. And, um, and I just thought, I think there's a lot of people like that. It's just hard for us to receive for different reasons to actually feel it. Um, but I do believe it's part of our birthright as God's children to actually be able to experience his love. It won't be all the time. We won't always feel it, but we should feel it sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's what he wants for us um, because it, it's, it's very healing and to know that we, we can know in our heads we're loved and we need to know it, but also it's very healing for our hearts to feel that love. So we just need to know it's true and, and practice it, declare it for ourselves even when we don't feel it. So that's a bit, and we've done, you've done, again, listen to me for a long time. Um, it's five past three, so we'll just spend the last uh, 10 minutes, just again, just really gentle. Um, and maybe let's just take a minute first, and this is, you don't have to do this, but if you just want to talk to someone next to you and just say, actually, I really related to that first hurdle about, you know, just different, just having a distorted view and how God's had to correct me, um, or, you know, I've struggled with thinking I'm good enough, or actually there's things that I need to, um, to let the Lord heal in me, and it's quite vulnerable for you. But still, just take a moment, and you can tell someone to just think about it for yourself, and then we'll, um, then, we'll, then we'll pray. So just, yeah, you can have a chat or you can just think quietly to yourself. Okay, and I also want to just acknowledge and um, just uh, that I know that um, here in Northern Ireland that God has sometimes been a bit of a battleground and different things said about God and images and what he's like. And um, that can leave a, well, it's just hard, um, whatever it is, but I know it's not been, it's been especially troublesome um, here and will have its, its legacy of um, pain and division and, and all of that as well. So um, just knowing God's healing and love and just knowing none of us get it right, we all, um, have things that will get wrong, but also just to be open to letting God really reveal himself and to just receive his love and his healing and um, his um, affirmation. Um, as Paul was saying earlier, I thought that was really right, that God just really wanted to affirm your faithfulness, um, your steadfastness, your um, perseverance, um, hanging in there with him and, um, and with each other and, and all of that. Um, but we've got um, five minutes left, so we'll just leave this space, so I'll just pray. So again, if I can, if you're able to stand, just, um, I think it helps to change posture when you've been listening for a long time.
you can sit down in a minute if you want, but we'll just start with a change of posture. And again, just to, um, just going to invite the Lord to come and just help us to receive his love. So Heavenly Father, thank you that you are love, that you love the world so much that you gave your only son, that whoever believed in him would never perish but have everlasting life. That's how much you loved, that you completely gave. So um, Holy Spirit, through your um, touch now, help us to receive the love of the Father, to know ourselves truly adopted as his children. that all the privileges and inheritance of the royal household are ours. Thank you that whatever we've gone through or whatever we've done uh, that we regret that wasn't in line with your ways, that your love is the answer. It's the resource for our healing. It's the resource for our forgiveness. And I pray, Lord, you would um, just continue to correct any ways where we see you um, in a distorted way that's not true to your nature. Help us to know you intimately, know us, that you look at our hearts and the motivations. call to mind those um, times that of uh, what we've read and seen of you that have really blessed us and shown us the goodness of who you are. Help us to know there's nothing we can do to earn your love or to lose your love. and then to be able to let you um, just come and minister to and touch those places in us that are wounded, bruised, hurting. Thank you that part of what you do is bind up the brokenhearted and you declare freedom for prisoners.
And I thank you, Lord, that we um, can wear the breastplate of righteousness. But Lord, I pray we'd also let, I know we're meant to have the sword of the spirit, but also to let the sword of the spirit in. To do its work. And Lord, as as we allow you to um, do your work in us, to, to help us to see you more clearly, to understand the beauty and truth of who you are, knowing that we'll never fully, we have to live with lots of mystery. Um, And Lord, we let you heal and redeem and sort of make our mess a message of hope for others. That Lord, you would use us um, to be your voice of love, to a very broken world, a very hurting world. And to be those who are so secure in your love that we aren't threatened or um, uh, we don't need to fight or flight, you know, do one of those two things, flee, but Lord, to just be able to be secure in you and uh, speak your comfort, love, um, challenge when needed um, to, to those around us, Lord, so that they can also know Um, deliverance and freedom and peace leading to real joy. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for the truth, Lord. And this is something I rehearse to myself when I'm feeling a bit wobbly is God is always good and I am always loved. So we thank you for that truth. You are always good and we are always loved by you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So thank you. That's our hour. And um, thank you for listening so well and being so delightful. (laughs) Rowan? There's nothing else for me to add, really, other than to see you at 7 o'clock this evening. Um, Becky, thank you so much for sharing with us again. Um, I am sure that, that well, I've, I've got pages of notes there, um, and, and I'm pretty sure many of you have that as well. But a lot for us to think about, a lot to consider, a lot for us to allow God just to work in us and, and, and maybe just break through a few barriers that we've put up ourselves um, that are preventing us from experiencing the fullness of his love. And, and the wholeness that we find in him. So we thank you so much um, for that. Let's, a quick word of prayer and I'll send you on your way. Thank you, God, uh, for being here, for, for being with us, for, for using Becky as your vessel this afternoon um, to speak your truth to us. Um, God, as we wrestle with it, um, in the same way that Jacob wrestled, may we walk away with blessing uh, because of the truth that we have found. Heal us, make us whole again. In the power of Jesus. Amen.